Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Vulnerable. I am, of course, your host, Chelsea Vaughn, and today's episode is all about one thing you guys love to ask me about, which is modeling. I think the most asked questions I get are probably, hey, are you a model? Or how tall are you? And oh my God, you are a model. How did you get started? I want to be a model. Do you have any advice? And I'm going to answer all those things today along with my guest co-host. Her name is Liz Seibert and she is a fashion and runway model like me. And we honestly just met like bumping into each other a ton during fashion week. We've seen each other at castings. We have walked shows together and now we're going to podcast together, which is so funny because we both were messaging each other and found out that we were both starting podcasts at the exact same time. So she just started a podcast called the Inside and Out Podcast. And she's gotten really popular on both Instagram and TikTok, but mostly TikTok, just from being herself and talking about modeling in a different way. I think modeling is oftentimes glamorized, of course, and she really just talks about the nitty gritty of the industry. She's raw, she's real, she's open, she's honest, and shares like the darker parts, like her eating disorder or her hair falling out, like there are other sides of the industry that everyone doesn't share and talk about. And clearly a lot of people have resonated with her being honest because she just hit a million followers on TikTok, which is insane and amazing. Um, so happy for her. And I think that we just bond because we both kind of want to be honest and real with people about the industry and about modeling. So it's kind of a longer episode today because we really got into stereotypes. We got into moments where we felt like we had like an I made it moment and we talked about our agencies and things like crazy things agents have said to us about losing weight, all this stuff. Um, But if after listening to the episode, you guys have any more questions, our DMs are open, but I really hope that you guys enjoy it. And without further ado, here is Liz. Liz Seibert, welcome to Vulnerable. I'm so happy to have you here today. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for making the trek out to my home in Brooklyn. We are literally sitting on my makeshift studio couch right now. It's amazing. In a little cozy, rainy studio session. Yeah, I love Um, it. We have tea. Yeah, we literally have tea. (laughs) (laughs) Literal cups of tea. Um, But today we are going to dive into all things modeling. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys love to ask me about modeling any chance you get, I'm sure you get the same in yep. your DMs. Yeah. Um, how to get started, how I got started, what it's like, what are fashion shows like, everything. Um, and Liz and I met, actually, I don't know where we met. I believe we met at one of my first ever Fashion Week castings, New York Fashion Week castings. Was it Serena Williams? I think it was Serena Williams. Oh, okay. Or that might have been like one of the first times we met. We Yeah, that was like definitely one of the first few. I think we met the prior season. Um, yeah. Well, Liz booked Serena Williams' show. I didn't. <laughs> she killed it. That is true. <laughs> but honestly, I was happy enough just to see slash meet Serena Williams. Oh my I was God. like, I will take that, even if you don't want to book me. She looked at me for at least 10, 15 seconds. Oh my God. That was like the coolest moment ever. And I got to like, I remember when I when I walked for her, I she, she did book me, so she liked me. But I remember when we were like practicing the um the walks yeah I walked for her after I was already booked right and she looked right at me with like a frown and she said we need to work on that no shit <laughs> I was like all right all right I got you oh my god that's like one of my biggest fears because I feel like sometimes like sometimes a designer doesn't always book you at the casting like it'll be a casting director or yeah. whatever yeah and honestly like I'm really on it like I'm in the zone at a casting you know like you see all the other girls walk you get inspired you're like feeling yourself so sometimes my walk at castings is fire and then like Mm -hmm. later on it's not as good and uh, I can't believe she said that wow what a story it was like I was like I got the chills when she said it I was like you know what and I just like I was like you got it and then we just worked on it I walked like a few more times and then we got it to where she liked it so I was like okay we're good but it was like a moment of like like this was one of my first shows yeah. that I had ever done so I was like oh my god like am I about to get dropped but then it ended up being fine imagine if she was just like yeah you can go <laughs> that would have sucked oh my god oh my god okay yeah no that didn't happen thank god yes that would have broken my little heart yeah so we're gonna get into all of that later how you got started how I got started everything that we've learned blah 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 but first we're gonna get into a celebrity hot topic or a mm-hmm. pop culture moment so, Balenciaga, 
Have you heard about Balenciaga? (laughs) I feel like everyone has heard about this, but just in case you guys haven't, um, Balenciaga is getting canceled right now. Mm -hmm. And they came out with a holiday campaign and there's children models in it and they're holding teddy bears with harnesses on the teddy bears that are like very BDSM bondage. Oh my God. And have you seen the pictures? I did. I saw the pictures. I haven't seen the pictures. I saw them and the kids' faces were like blurred out. And honestly, I can't imagine being one of those kids' parents right now because I feel like people are blaming the parents too, but it's like, imagine your kid's a child model and then they get booked by Balenciaga. And they book Balenciaga? Like, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And like, you don't know what's going to happen, whatever. I'm sure they were on set, but like, maybe they didn't think, maybe they didn't think the harnesses, I don't know. (sighs) Things just get so messy. Like, sometimes they, they pull parents away or, True. you know, sometimes you're just so caught up in the moment. You don't see how something's going to actually look. Like Yeah, and I don't know. The thing that is wild to me is that, like, knowing as a model or, like, anyone that's worked in the fashion industry, how many layers of people things have I to know. go through to get approved. I know. I know. And, like, these came out. Like, they they fully released the holiday campaign. And so everyone was appalled, obviously, because it's implying that I don't, know, I don't even know what to call it like child pornography yeah. um sexualization of children yeah. in general god that's really dystopian and scary yeah and so they obviously are scrambling with their pr team yeah. i'm sure to put out apologies and all this and all that yeah. and in the midst of it i think people were like digging for other things and they found another ad campaign that they did where oh it's a bag like a balenciaga bag on top of a bunch of paperwork And the paperwork, let me read this specifically because I want to get it right. Okay, so the ad is for the Spring 23 collection. And the bag is on top of a bunch of documents. The documents, if you zoom in, like, you don't even have to zoom that much. You can see it. It's a Supreme Court case, which was the United States versus Williams, which was a ruling, (laughs) which was a ruling that increased federal protection against child pornography. Oh, Okay, so this is a separate campaign. Yes. This was a Spring 23 campaign, and the other one was a holiday campaign. They said, let us plant an Easter egg. Yeah. It's literally, like, you can read it. Like, it's legible. Oh, my gosh. I don't understand. I don't either. I don't really think it was an accident. No, it can't be. A set designer. Somebody put that there. Everything, like, when you're on set, everything is placed down to, like, the way that, like, a crease is folded. It's, like, meticulously placed. Like, that was was 100%. Yeah. So now Balenciaga is filing a $25 million lawsuit against the set designer oh. and the company that put put it together, claiming that they had no idea. Oh my like, God. They didn't authorize it, is what they're saying. Okay, that's interesting. Do you believe that it had nothing to do with the brand and it was just the people on set? No. Because it I, can't be. It, like, there's no way. Yeah. There's so many people that approved that and I know some right. of them were at Balenciaga. Right, right. Like, come on. So many people looked at that ad and said, yep. Yeah. And like, okay, fine. Maybe, maybe they didn't zoom. No. It's just weird. The whole thing is weird. And then... I heard Bella Hadid unfollowed them on Instagram. I didn't hear that. (laughs) Good for her. Um, I saw Kim Kardashian's statement about it. She was saying, you know, it took her a couple days to say anything because she just... She wanted to talk to the team and see how this could have possibly happened. And like, as a mother of four, she's appalled and we have to protect our children. And then in the last statement slide, it was like, I haven't cut all ties with Balenciaga. I want to see how they can correct this wrong or something like that. And everyone's like, girl, Yikes. you just don't want to, like, if you really cared that much, I feel like you would be like, okay, bye. Yeah. But Yeah, like she doesn't want it. Well, because I mean, I'm sure that they're... I mean, they're very closely su- yeah, tied. Yeah, they're very closely tied. Like, didn't yeah. they do her last Met, Met look? I think so. The one before. And wasn't she at their show at, oh, maybe that was Dolce Gabbana. I don't know. She's like, her and Balenciaga yeah, are like this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Insane story. Um, yeah. Wow. Very weird. Super weird. And it's like, it was so like pre-planned with with the Easter egg That thing. is so true. Like, not only does it have to go through so many layers of approval, like, these ad campaigns are planned months. Oh my God. Yeah. In advance. Months in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and every little detail is mapped out, sketched out, like approved by a million people. Like, I just, I don't. It is. Did weird. they think they were being edgy? Like, what did they <laughs> think they were doing? Probably. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Well, hashtag cancel Balenciaga is uh, 
is still trending. Yeah. So. Wow. So yeah, rightfully that's, so. That is the uh, the tea. <laughs> that's the tea. All right. Well, moving on from Balenciaga into more modeling. Everyone knows there's a ton of different stereotypes around models, yeah. especially yeah. like New York fashion models, yeah. which like totally. is the kind of modeling that Liz and I do. Yep. Um. So I feel like. The my favorite, I guess, but like <laughs> <laughs> favorite, one of my favorite stereotypes um, that I can prove wrong is that models don't eat. Yeah, like I feel like that is the biggest and most annoying stereotype ever. Like last Fashion Week, this was in September. I was at a show with Piper, and this woman. I'm pretty sure she was hammered. Like she was a very very drunk, but regardless, amazing. Came up to us. Piper's also a model. And oh, she was like, yeah. And she was like, um, you two, are you guys models? You're so pretty. And we're like, yeah, thank you so much. And she's like, are you eating? Like, I heard that you guys just eat cotton balls. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, is this woman joking right The audacity now? to say that to somebody. We're literally standing at an event with cocktails in hand and like at the ice cream cart. And she's <laughs> like, I thought all you guys ate was cotton balls. I would have just been like, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's but all we. It, it was almost so comical that I, I like, obviously, I couldn't take her seriously. Yeah, like, was she being serious? She was dead serious. Oh my god, she was dead serious, and she was like a little older. Not to, I mean, stereotype her, but I think the older generation, and especially like what they think about models, yeah. like '90s models, '80s models, like, I don't know where the cotton ball thing came from. I have heard that rumor before, but it's an old rumor. Like, I've heard models eat cotton balls yeah. to keep their stomach full. It, like what? It's literally so crazy. That to me. sounds like very dangerous. That sounds like it would kill you. It's not even food. Like I've heard, like okay, you eat a couple of almonds to stay yeah. alive, so you won't pass yeah. out or a handful something. Handful of almonds. Yeah. Spinach and egg white diet. Oh <laughs> yes. My God. Um, I don't know. In my experience, you tell me if yours is different. Obviously, but like at fashion shows and anything, anything I do, like on set. Models attack the food station. Yeah, yeah, we'd be eating. <laughs> like, we'd attack. Really, yeah. Like, girls are grabbing two, three sandwiches. If like, it's free? Yeah, if it's free. Because, yeah, because we're all, like, broke trying to pay like, our bills. Like, models don't get paid enough, usually, <laughs> yeah. so. We're trying to get the free food and bring it home for later. Um, I can only speak for myself and say that I eat a lot. I love yeah. eating. I'm a huge foodie, as you guys know. Yeah. Um, But I think when I first started in the industry, there was one agency I signed with. And this was in Atlanta. Mm. And this is like the first agency I ever got a contract from. And I was so excited. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I was so excited. And it was like a, I don't know, subsidiary of like Elite or something. Yeah, okay. I don't even think they exist anymore. Um, It was called Factor Atlanta. And they gave me a contract. And I like was doing my little due diligence, like reading it through. And it literally had a section for eating. (gasps) And... I don't know how old the contract was, but like they were still handing it out to new models apparently. And yeah, no, it was bad. It was like, if you are feeling like you're hungry, just have a glass of water. (gasps) (laughs) In your contract? Yes. There was an entire page about eating and diet. Oh, like how to stay thin, basically. Yeah. It was so, so bad. That is so wrong on so many levels. I read it and I was like, holy shit. And this is, I was like, hmm. This is before I moved here. So I was like 20, maybe. Okay. Very skinny. Yeah. yeah. 5'11". Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know if I want to call this agency out, but okay, why not? The industry in New York, when I signed with them, had a similar page of eating oh, no. uh, directions. Oh, my goodness. In the contract. Directions. Yes. Okay, I've never had an experience where a contract has told me how to eat. Yeah. I've had... I think the most common one for me that's always been the case in all of my contracts is you can't, if, if you basically change the way your body looks, mm-hmm. so that means if you gain weight. Right. Um, I mean, or if you lose weight technically, but they'll never, you know, that's <laughs> never a problem if you lose weight. It's just essentially if your body looks different from how it looks right now in the moment that we're signing you, we can drop you. Right. So that's pretty standard, which like I get. I don't know. How do you feel about that one? Like I, I get that one because it's like... If you change, then you might, you I mean, you might not work. You might not yeah. work as much. As toxic as it might sound, um, 
I do understand it just because, like, they are signing you based on your appearance at the time. At the time, yeah. Like, it's the same thing with, like, when you change your hair color. Right, exactly. Or and that's in the contract, too. Yeah. It's like, if you change your hair color, if you gain weight, if you get tattoos, right. if you change your appearance in any way. Like, right. it's not just the weight. And the contracts are a little, like, detailed and technical like that, so yeah. fine. Like, I think if you really changed your look or, like, gained a couple pounds, they'd probably just tell you to lose the pounds, but and it's just dropping And that's generally you. what happens, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had agents say things to me like... Oh my god, I remember one of my first agencies in New York. I was so young and I was so thin, but I was kind of an athlete at the time. Like I played, I don't know, I like ran cross country maybe. Um, and they told me that I was too muscular. My legs were too muscular. I was a double size double zero. And my agent told me, you have to lose the muscle in your legs. Do hot yoga to sweat it out. And don't, when you're going to the subway, don't walk up and down the stairs. Take Ubers everywhere. <laughs> I said, don't, don't walk. Don't walk up and down the stairs. He was like, yeah, you can't walk. You can't walk. You have to lose the muscle in your thighs. I was like, what do you want me to just sit all day? The subway? He said take an Uber everywhere? Yeah, I said take Ubers everywhere. Taxis. I was like, first of all, can you pay for them for me? Like, I was like 17. I hadn't booked a single job. And I was just like, and I, I kind of like, I mean, when you're new in the industry, you don't know that these things are like not, like, you don't know that that's like. Am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Oh my God, please. <laughs> you don't know that that's bullshit. Like, you don't know that that's like, not, like, you don't have to do that. I agree. And I think that's why I feel like you and I have had very different experiences because you're 22, right? Mm-hmm. I'm 30. Oh. So, yeah, I just turned 30. <laughs> I keep saying just turned 30 like it wasn't in August. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, are you a Leo? No, I'm a uh, Virgo. Okay, I'm a Leo. I'm August 27th. Okay. But, um,. I have a lot of Leo placements, Leo rising, Leo moon. I love um, it. A lot of people say like models and people in the entertainment industry have Leo. I hear that a lot yeah, too. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when I actually started, I was very old age for okay. what people consider to be starting modeling. How old so are you? I moved here when I was 22. Oh, okay. And so I didn't start actually like modeling, like sign with someone until yeah. I was like 25. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And. So that was That's very... actually good, though, because I think when you start too young, like, I think I might have started a little too young, because I signed with my mother agency when I was 17, freshly 17, and I, a lot of the things that they would say to me, I took in really well, heavily. That's what I was going to get at is that because I was older, I wasn't yeah. as impressionable in yes. that way. Yes. Like, I was old enough to say, this is bullshit when I looked at those contracts. Yes. Yeah. But I think why it's so harmful is because they want people to start like the age thing is so glamorized mm -hmm. and like the the youth is so like oh you need to start when I you're know. 15 for I modeling know. yeah and when your brain's not fully developed literally you're still a child literally. and people are telling you this is what you need to do to become a model you kind of hear that and you're just like okay well i've heard the industry is tough and like if this is what i need to do i need to do it and that's exactly what i did because I was so young and I didn't know and I wanted to make it so bad. Right. And now here I am, 22, a few years in, and I'm like, you don't have to do all those things. Yeah. Like, you can be perfectly healthy and happy and you can protect your peace and all yeah. these things and still be the most successful model. Like, you don't have to do all these things that a lot of the industry makes you think that you have to. Yeah. I had a similar experience because when I was, like, trying to sign with this, um, it wasn't a mother agency, but, like... Yeah, maybe a mother agency, whatever. Mm. Um, the guy told me, <laughs> he didn't tell me not to walk. <laughs> but he did tell me not to walk on an incline. Oh my gosh. He literally told me, your butt's too big. For girls in the industry that are white, your hips need to be 34 inches. But because you're black, they'll give you a little bit more wiggle room. So you could be 35, but that's it. Oh my gosh. And at the time, my hips were 36 or oh like maybe 37. And he was like, you can't do anything uphill. Don't run on the treadmill. He was like, you need to run every single day, but you need to run on a flat surface on the treadmill. No incline so that your butt doesn't get any bigger. Okay, that like is so... The way that he said like, oh, because of your race, we'll give you a little bit of a break. Well, it was kind of like, well, not giving this guy any benefit of the doubt. He was very awful, but he was black. <laughs> so it was kind of like a black person. It's kind of like, I got yeah. you. He was like, kind of okay, like, yeah, look, yeah. everyone knows that people of color generally carry a little bit more on their hips. So like you can get away with 35. Because Is that black. like a thing in the industry? I think so. Like, I, I think people do know like black people tend to have asses. <laughs> like more than, more so than white people. Interesting, interesting. So they were like, 
have they told you like you need to be 34? Well, yeah, that's because that's been the thing for me is it's always I've had to be 34 and I'm six feet. 34, yeah. And I just, I can't be 34. I mean, I like I've had an eating disorder. I've been super thin and my, my hips will never go past lower than 35. Yeah. It's, it's just not, it's not possible for a frame like, like mine. And it's like one of those things that like just used to eat me alive because I was like, why can't I get my hips to 34? Like, it's like, it's so painful. It's like crazy. Yeah. It's horrible. I did. I, I did at the time what he said. It's just like you being like, okay, I did it. Yeah. I realized at the time, like I was like, okay, this is bullshit. But I was like, this is right after I'd quit my corporate job. So I was like, I want to be signed. And if I need to like lose a few to do it, like I'll do it. I know. That's how it goes. Yeah. I didn't do anything eating. Well, looking back on it, like, yes, downloading my fitness pal and counting every single calorie that I put into my mouth is pretty unhealthy. Um, That might be a little disordered. Yes. Not to diagnose. No, no. I can't. But that sounds a little. Um, No, it's it definitely wasn't healthy for sure. Um, yeah, it's not a good but, relationship with food. No, but I did. I got my hips. I got my hips to where they. I. I don't think I ever hit thirty four. Oh my god! And I don't think I ever will. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, like me either. We're both six feet tall. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It's like that. not. Maybe if you're five eight, maybe, maybe you can hit thirty four. But uh, my body type that was never happening. I. I wasn't gonna kill myself over it. Right. Um, right, and that's great. Yeah. yeah. But are you? Do you feel comfortable talking about your eating disorder? Like, I can talk about it. I, I talk just, about it on my page. Yeah. I don't know. I would just love to hear more because I feel like I'm always like, oh, yeah, you know, modeling like hasn't had an effect on my eating, Mm -hmm. but I know it actually does for a lot of people. So like, I'm just trying to think of a way to talk about it in a way that's like not too heavy. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could be heavy if you want. Podcast called Vulnerable. Okay. Okay, Let's get vulnerable. I mean, I want people to like hear from you. I'm sure there are people listening to this that will relate. Okay, cool. I'll talk about it. So I did not know that modeling was affecting my body image and the way I was eating so heavily until COVID hit. And I actually um, took a course at the college that I was at at the time, which was amazing. And it was actually an abnormal psychology course. And abnormal psychology just has to do with the field of psychology that's all about um, disorders. So anxiety, depression, OCD, eating disorders, those types of things. So I took this course and of course we talked about eating disorders and I ended up writing my final paper about fashion models and eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And it was so cool because I started to realize that eating disorders in the fashion industry don't just come from the pressures of the industry to be thin. Eating disorders are in their nature a disorder rooted in anxiety. You don't think that you're allowed to eat. You don't think that you're allowed to gain weight. You think that you have to restrict yourself because that gives you control. And the thing about being a model is you have so little control in your career. You never know when you're going to book a job. You never know when you're going to get paid. Even if you do book the job, half the time your agency doesn't even pay you. Right. So am I going to be able to afford rent? Like these types of things. And so the one thing that you have control over is your size and what you put in your mouth and what you chew and swallow. Yeah. And so I, I believe that that is such a big reason why so many models do develop eating disorders or disordered eating in some form, even if it's not a full diagnosable eating disorder, I think is because it's a way of gaining a little bit of perceived control back. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I think that is the root of like eating disorders is yeah. the control, the control factor. Yeah. And of a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Um, that's a really cool course. It was, yeah, it was great. It was definitely a life changer for me. And I, I, from there was able to be like, okay, so I I took all of this to therapy. I have an amazing therapist and I took all of this to her and we started working on, you know, overcoming my patterns of disordered eating and slowly but surely, you know, um, I mean, I, I think that I've reached full recovery or whatever that means. Like, I think I'm, I'm great now. I'm better than I even was before I started modeling. Amazing. Because I think like when you go through things like these, it forces you to really look inward and come, come out even stronger. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's not, it's nothing to do with the industry. Well, no, I, that's, I, let me, yeah. The industry plays a role. Yeah. The industry is a hard place to be. And there's a lot of pressure, especially when you start really young and you know, you're impressionable But I think a lot of it, too, is these internal struggles that you are already having. So Mm -hmm. if I'm already feeling insecure, if I'm already feeling, you know, like I'm not good enough or like, 
you know, like I don't have control over my life, then that's going to come out when I become a model because yeah. it's going to manifest, like it's going to bring all of these feelings up, which is what it did for me yeah. in the beginning. I'm glad that you're fully recovered now. <laughs> Thank amazing. you. I didn't realize it was so recent. Like I've heard you talk about it on your page, yeah. but it was during COVID that you kind of like figured out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've only been modeling for, I mean, really four years. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was really hard the first few years, but like I said, I mean, I think it really forced me to kind of like look inwards and realize these things that I ha- I had been feeling even prior to modeling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think things always go deeper than the surface, For which sure. is, it's good. It's good to bring those things up and, and heal from them and let them go. Yeah. I think even like definitely the modeling industry, but even like being on The Bachelor, like forced me to look at things about myself and bring things up that I didn't realize. Oh my God, I'm sure. Yeah, like, especially with the control thing. Like, I never thought, like, okay, well, I really need to be in control a lot of the time to feel safe or whatever until I was in an environment where I had absolutely zero control of anything. That must have been crazy. (laughs) It it was. Um, And then it it made me realize, like, wow, okay, maybe I have some anxieties and maybe I genuinely like being in control a lot of the time because it makes me feel better like totally and things I'm also working on in therapy but it's just like that and the modeling industry have both kind of forced me to look look at things like that which is good like yeah pushing us to be better versions of ourselves I know (laughs) obviously it's hard and it's painful in the moment but yeah yeah, exactly like it pushes you to be a better version of yourself yeah so you said you've only been modeling for like four years yeah I started doing it full-time when I was 18 okay so and Do you feel like at this point you've had like a a moment where you've been like, wow, I made it. <laughs> like what was one moment that you've had where you were just like, holy shit, I did this. <laughs> okay. I think my biggest moment so far, I've ha- I have a couple. Okay. I think one of them was definitely the Serena Williams show yeah. that we talked about. I was like, oh my God, I'm like walking with, there's a picture of me and her where yeah. I'm on the runway and she's like right next I to saw us. It. Like, oh my God, it's like. <laughs> That was such a cool moment for me because that was like my first year of modeling and I was like, what is going on? Um, another one was when I uh, was flown out to South Africa yeah. and I got this like amazing job and I remember I like climbed to the top of a steeple on like Cape Point and there's like this beautiful view and I'm like on top of a steeple and I'm just like, I, I'm looking down on everybody at the set and I'm like, what? what is going on? Like, I'm like being paid to like be up here in head to toe Louis Vuitton. Yeah. Like what's, and there's like drones flying around me, like shooting me. It was like not shooting me, but like taking pictures, (laughs) taking, I always say shooting and then I'm like, oh, some people might not like equate that (laughs) to taking pictures. But anyways, that was a super cool moment. Very cool. What about you? Um, I feel like it has to be Paris because I don't know, like, not that I really doubted myself, but, like, there were times where I was just, like, especially when I worked corporate, I was just, like, maybe I should give up on this pipe dream, like, I am never gonna be that girl that's walking in Paris Fashion Week, like, it's just, it's probably not gonna happen for me, everyone was telling me I was too old, and it was too late, and da 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 and then... It's so easy to have those doubts. I know, and then I finally decided, like, fuck that, I'm gonna let all that go, I'm gonna try it, because if I don't, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life, and after a couple of years and a couple of agencies and whatever, like I, I just decided to go to Paris. Like I'm not signed in Paris. And for people that don't know, like a lot of people are signed in multiple different big cities with different agencies. Yeah. So I'm only signed in New York. Wow. And my agent, she's European and she like knows some people in Paris, but whatever. So I just decided to look up to see how much tickets were to Paris. Like I was just like, let me just see if I went to Paris fashion week on my own. Like, Oh my gosh. And this was in 2020. So the ticket ended up being $200 round trip. Oh, I don't know why. What? <laughs> Dirt cheap. Round trip? This is before COVID, yeah. It was, it was, I don't know. It was the time of Are year. Are you kidding me? It was $200. I've never been able to go to Europe for less than a grand. It was $200. And I was like, this is a sign. I must go. Yeah, that's go. a sign. That's a sign. So I booked a flight by myself. I knew like I was going to go to some agencies while I was there. And like yeah. my agent had some connections. So yeah. I was like, Maybe I could book at least one thing. Like, even if I do, it'll be worth it. Like, I've never been to Paris before, whatever. And then I got there, and I ended up booking, like, multiple fashion shows. Oh, my God. Wait, with no agency? No. It was with it was through my, um, the people that my agency knows from Oh, my God. York. So you just took your little comp card. Yes. What agency was on the comp card? EMG. 
And they were like, who is this? And I'm like, it's my New York agency. Just contact them. It's fine. (laughs) And then um, I ended up booking like a a shoot also. And then I was there for two weeks. It was like my my first solo trip. My mom came out and like she's never been to Europe and she's never like actually seen me model like adult modeling. And so she like came to my shows and watched me walk. Like it was literally just like the most special thing. So like Paris Fashion Week for sure. And then a picture from one of the shows I did from Paris Fashion Week was in British Vogue. Wow, that's so cool. And I was so like, cool. oh my god, I'm in British Vogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I was on a small billboard in Times Square. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> These were my big, oh like, my god. Yeah, yeah, moments yeah. where I was like, oh damn, I made it. Yeah, totally. Wow, yeah. that's so cool. I never knew that story about you going to Paris. Yeah. With no agency. I, you were just I like, let me make like, it work. I'm going to wing it and yeah. see if I can book something. That's such a testament to like... If, if you make it happen, it'll happen. Yeah. Because I would have never... I'm not signed internationally. Like, I would have never done Paris Fashion Week. Why aren't you signed internationally? <laughs> I don't know. Seriously, I think you'd be so... Like, I, they would... Well, clearly they love you in Paris. Well, Paris you is get like... An agency. I don't know. I feel like Paris is a different ballgame. Like, especially with the weight thing. It like, is. It I, is. I'm not trying to be any skinnier than I am at this uh, yeah. point. I can't do it. I can I can attest to that. Like, when I... I Milan was the first place that I went to. Mm-hmm. Traveling and, and similar to Paris. They, they want you to be the tallest and the thinnest yeah so it's it gets really unhealthy really quick I just don't have it in me anymore like I feel like when I was younger I had so much like hunger and drive to be like okay I'll do whatever to make it blah 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 and now I'm like I'm too old for this (laughs) I so respect that (laughs) I'm too old for this protect your peace (laughs) I can't do it like even a couple maybe seasons ago when I went to like some fashion week castings here and the girls are like your age or like 19 and I'm like I'm 29 and I'm tired yeah I'm tired and I'm 22 <laughs> like I'm with you I've been doing this for a long time like yeah. I just I was like I can't do it anymore yeah no that's um, to- so fair yeah. are you signed internationally you I am Africa? but I haven't been since before COVID yeah yeah so but it's you're you're right it's it's a different ball game yeah like, even more so than New York they want you to just be no muscle no fat just just the real thinnest. thin, yeah. yeah, the thinnest. Oh. So it's good to know, you know, and then you can decide, like, hey, I don't, I don't want to partake in that. Yeah. Um. So I mentioned this before in my intro, but Liz just started a podcast of her own. <laughs> I did. I did. Yes, it is called the Inside and Out Podcast. Yeah. And she had an episode about modeling where she went into detail about all the different kinds of modeling. And the toxic parts, the positive parts, neutral parts, whatever. And I was listening to it. And then there was one part that just really resonated with me about self-worth. And how in the industry, an industry where it's purely based on how you look, you kind of start basing your self-worth off of other people's opinions. Whether it's negative opinions because you get rejected so much in modeling. Or whether it's positive opinions because everyone's always telling you how pretty you are and how great you look. And if you lose five pounds, like how much better you look. And that just really hit home for me. Cause I was just like, wow, like, I, I don't know. I don't like to think that I really base a lot of my self-worth off of other people's opinions. But then when it comes to social media and stuff, or like me posting things or even like starting this podcast and posting it, yeah. like, and we talked about this, like yeah. I, we were both nervous to start our podcast and put it out there. Cause I was just like, Ah, I'm scared of what people are going to think and what people are going to say and like how it's going to be received. But I kind of got to this place where I was like, okay, this is something I want to do just for me because clearly in all these other spaces, I can't really do anything without worrying about what other people are going to say. But you were talking about on the episode how like some of your favorite and least favorite things about the industry so I just kind of wanted to hear, like, what's your favorite thing about modeling and what's your least favorite? Because when you said your favorite, I was like, that's my favorite. But, like, <laughs> but the, like let me see if you see what it is. <laughs> um, when I said my favorite on my podcast? Yeah. Do you remember um, what you said? Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, just what's coming to mind right now is I think, like, my favorite things are just that you're able to do do this amazing career and, and reach people. Like, it gives you kind of a voice and you know, you get to travel to different countries and you get to work with amazing creative people. And it's just such an opportunity that I can't see getting from most other jobs. True. Yeah. You were talking about like nine to five office jobs and stuff, but, um, my, not what you're, no, it is. (laughs) Okay. The end of it. 
Because my favorite thing about the industry is just like being surrounded by so many creative yeah. people. Yeah. And it's like when you're on set making one picture, mm-hmm. you have an incredibly talented makeup artist, like mm-hmm. a crazy amazing photographer, like creative director, stylist, the model, like we're all just creative and talented in our own ways. And then it kind of combines to make this perfect thing that we're all working on. Yeah. And I feel like the collaborative aspect is absolutely my favorite thing about it like just the creativity and getting to see other people like in their element totally i love that so inspiring yeah so cool to be able to create something yeah that's my favorite part for sure yeah um least favorite there's a lot to choose from (laughs) (laughs) i'm like um let me make a list (laughs) um you mentioned this too but it's tough to have people how do i want to say this assume that I don't have anything else to offer except for my good looks. Yeah. Like, I feel like that has followed me throughout every career I try to go into. And, like, please don't get me wrong. People are going to listen to this and be like, wow, she's complaining about pretty privilege. <laughs> no, <laughs> Sorry, it's, you're it's so different. hot. No. <laughs> That's not what I'm trying to say. But it's just, like, if I want to be taken seriously about things or if I want to, like, start a new podcast where I talk about how I feel and my opinions and my views, like... I feel like I'm looked at as, well, you don't have anything valuable to bring to the table because you're just a girl that stands there and looks pretty because that's what the career is. That is is definitely like one of my least favorite parts because I don't enjoy being judged on just the way that I look. Totally. I think like the modeling industry, it definitely trains you to believe that, you know, the most important thing about you is the way you look because in most cases it is. Yeah. I mean you know, obviously you have to have a good personality and you have to charm them and all these things. But, you know, when you're getting constant validation for how you look, that trains your mind to believe that that's the most exciting and important thing about you and the only thing you have to offer. And I mean, what you said about pretty privilege, I I think pretty privilege is, is real. And I think, you know, being a model comes with a lot of power because people see you as I mean, it's in the name, a model, a role model, just kind of automatically. But I think in a lot of cases it can stop there, which is frustrating. Like it, it goes both ways. Like you can, yes, be a role model, but a lot of people don't see past, oh, she's a pretty face. Like she's doing all these cool things because she's so pretty. And you have to really work to push yourself, you know, beyond that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Layer? Ceiling? I don't know. Layer. Yeah. Beyond that layer, I (laughs) guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it's changed for the better in recent years. I and agree. I think social media has helped a lot with that. Yeah. And one of my favorite reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast and why I love following you is because you're so incredibly transparent and honest and real on your platform. Thank and that you. is why so many people relate to you and follow you. Aww, and you. it's just like because of that, people can see you as more of, okay, she's a normal, real person kind of like breaks down that wall a little bit. Right. Um, and I think people now kind of have accepted, <laughs> this sounds terrible, but like, except for that models are actually real people too. Yes, and yes. Have brains and thoughts going on. Thank goodness, uh-huh. yeah. Like, Social media has been great for that, I think. For sure. And like, there's definitely like a running joke in the industry that like models call themselves hangers. Like, right. that you're just a hanger. Yeah, clothing hanger. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. not just hangers anymore. We're not just clothing hangers. We have a voice, yes, which is great. We both have a literal podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that that's why both of us wanted to start our podcast because we're like, we have a lot of stuff to say yeah, and we've so never been much, able to say it. So much to say and no one has ever let us say it. <laughs> God. God forbid yeah. we give an opinion on I know. set. Oh my God. Did you say your least favorite thing? Um, my least favorite thing. I think my least favorite thing would just be, you know, there's, there's positives and negatives to every industry. And I think for every person, it's going to be different. Yeah. I, you know, as we spoke about, I, I really struggled with the pressure to be thin. Um, I struggled with that for a time, but like, I don't struggle with that anymore. So like, Mm -hmm. I could say that that's my least favorite because it, it really affected me at a time, but it also helped me grow, you know? Like, I think if you can come out of these things, then it doesn't necessarily have to be negative forever. Yeah. Um, but I guess in general, I would just say you don't, you don't get a lot of control, especially when you're first starting out and you have to kind of 
trust that your agency has your best interest at heart, which isn't always the case. And that's scary and that's stressful. And, you know, a lot of models get gypped for money and they don't get paid and things like that. So there's a lot of exploitation that goes on for models because so many girls want to do it and they'll do it for free. I'm so glad you said that too, because I think until people stop agreeing and I'm not blaming the models because obviously <laughs> yeah. when we all started, we all were taking anything we could get. Exactly. You have to. You have to. You have to. You have to build your portfolio. It's the only way. Yeah. And until models stop working for free, it's going to keep happening uh-huh. because yeah. they make you feel like you're so replaceable. Yeah. And they do. you'll take anything because they'll be like, well, if you don't, there's 50 other girls outside that will and exactly. they'll do it for free. And... That that part of the industry just totally sucks. <laughs> it does. And I think that's why I've personally moved away from it more too. It's just because now that I've been more in the influencer space or whatever, brand partnerships, like there is a lot of money in influencing, not going to lie. There is. Um, yeah. And to me, at my old age of 30, <laughs> now that I'm tired, I'm like, I would much rather have creative control over my everything, over my, my business my brand, what I'm putting out into the world, and make so much more money than releasing control to all of these people and making pennies. Yeah, it's it, the the difference is night and day. Yeah, so yeah. it's just it's not even it's truly not even worth it for me anymore, and that's why I've kind of just like been pivoting to other things. Yeah, um, I hear that. Yeah, obviously modeling will always still have a special place in my heart, and I really yeah. do miss the runway. Like I haven't. I haven't walked a show in, in a while. There's no adrenaline rush, like walking a runway. I really... It's, it's a good feeling. I miss that. And I kind of yeah. like, there's a little part of me that's totally not done. Like, I'm hoping I can walk some sort of a show in the future. Manifesting it for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll do one together again. Oh, that'd be so fun. So <laughs> yeah, that'd be super fun. Dude, super I need circle. to like, I don't know if I can post pictures somehow on this, like, on the description or something, but like, we did a show together. We did. I need it, to put. I, I think it was this. the Sonia Mascatia. Yeah, that was. You're it. right. Yeah. Yes. 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 I'm gonna find the pictures and post them of us. <laughs> yeah, I've got. I think I might. Ha- I'll check. Yeah. I'll check too. Um. Okay. Cool. We're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and chill it like it is. <laughs> <laughs> Not chill it like it is. Liz loves to chill it like it is. I do. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars, and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel, and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Okay, this is our segment for advice where we tell it like it is. So today we wanted to do at least one modeling question because it's very on topic and then another advice question that is also kind of related. So I chose this one from Hannah. She says, do you ever feel self-conscious about your height? I'm 5'11 and I definitely do. So this is perfect for us because Liz and I are both six feet tall. Yep. So... Do you feel self-conscious about it anymore? Or, like, did you when you were growing up? I mean, when I was growing up, I was always the tallest. Like, I was always the tallest in school. And I hated it because I felt like it was always better to be short. Like, guys like short girls. But then, as soon as I started modeling, it all changed. I was like, okay, this is, like, something that can be used to my advantage. Like, I mean, I, I had little moments in high school where I was, like... I would be really good at sports because I was so tall. And I was like, okay, maybe it's not so bad after all. But really when I started modeling and it started being like, okay, like she's tall and she's pretty. That's when I was like, but it sucks. Like it sucks that I needed that validation to start feeling secure, you know? And like, I think the reality is like, even after I started modeling, I still did struggle because modeling doesn't make your insecurities go away. Yeah. It just like validates you and it kind of keeps you on this high. I mean, that's real, though. I think a lot of people, if they put their insecurities out there and people started telling them, like, it's a good thing now, like, it'd make you feel better. Right. Exactly, yeah. Um, I wasn't super tall growing up. Like, I was. Really? I was, but it didn't happen until, like, end of middle school, high school is when I really, mm-hmm. like, shot up. It wasn't like I was just always taller than everyone. I definitely felt self-conscious about it because, you know, you're like, okay, boys aren't going to like me. I'm taller than them. Like, da-da-da-da. And you always think, like... I don't know. I always see guys with like, even tall guys with really tiny girls. So I'm yeah, like, I know they don't want me. Yeah. That was how I felt. Um, 
but I, I mean a lot of guys like tall girls just saying <laughs> oh my god yeah. yeah um how to get over the insecurity i would say like you kind of just have to lean into it and, and really embrace it obviously everyone tall is not going to become a model so like that's not necessarily the greatest way to get over it right. i guess exactly um so you kind of just have to embrace it but what is my advice for people getting over it i think you really just have to stop caring what other people think yeah i think that's the core of it like i think you know just realizing how amazing you are as a human you know like everyone is so unique and offers something so individual like i love this quote like you can only be the best version of yourself you can't be someone else so stop trying to be someone else and just embrace exactly who you are and all of your tallness yeah. because the reality is too like being tall comes with a lot of privilege to chill it like it is <laughs> i think that there's like tall privilege quote-unquote and i actually think that this has been studied that people who are taller make more money and they're more respected really i think so it yeah. commands a presence for it sure. does yeah like it commands a presence and i think that like if you can really step into that and lean into that it can be something that like is a really positive thing yeah i do understand being insecure about it when you're younger because yeah. it's like you're always insecure about things that are different than other people right because it's different yeah. yeah and i genuinely truly love being tall yeah like i love being tall now yeah like it makes me stand out it makes me unique it got me a career in modeling yep. like it makes me feel confident when i step into a room like i love being tall and honestly so many people are jealous of height like so many people tell me every day how much they wish they were taller and if you don't make a big deal out of it and if you are confident in it nobody else will make a big deal out of it either so the long-winded advice is really just be yourself stand tall and embrace the height because it's not going anywhere and you're definitely going to like it later. I I genuinely believe that for you. Another listener asked me how to stand out, like what's the best way to stand out in the modeling industry? So I'd love to hear your take on this. What do you think? It's such a good question because with modeling, like there's so many girls who are so beautiful and so tall and so many girls want to do it so bad that it's super competitive. Like yeah. I once heard a stat that being a top model is the most competitive field in the world. I feel like I've seen that too. Yeah. I think it was actually being a Victoria's Secret Angel uh, is like more competitive than like anything else in the world ever. Like more than all professional athletes and stuff. Yeah. 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 Which makes sense because there's so few of them. Right. I would say that you, the only thing that you can control is the way that you act and the way that you make people feel. And I think that making people feel happy and inspired to be around you goes such a long way because, I mean, you can be six feet tall and you can have a striking look and you can have beautiful hair and beautiful skin and all these things, but they might choose a girl who, you know, in by industry standards, maybe doesn't have some of these attributes over a girl who, you know, by industry standards, maybe has or like stronger, fits. Yeah. like like fits fits the mold a little bit more. Right. Oftentimes, they will choose the girl who's more personable, who's nicer, who makes them laugh. And so I think, obviously, that's the only thing that you can control. And beyond that, I think definitely talk to your agency and come up with the part of you that is going to be kind of your selling point so for a lot of girls it's their eyes maybe mm -hmm. it's their height maybe it's their they've got a really striking like face shape and you know when you do photo shoots focus on those things and really you know try to market them as a model that's the only thing you really can do yeah that's really good advice it's like that one quote that's like People aren't going to remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Um, and people want to work with people they enjoy being around. Exactly. And at the end of the day, this is a job. Like people think modeling yeah. is so glamorous. It's so this, it's so that. It's like, it is work and it's a job and it's a business to everyone that's in it. And everyone just wants to have like the best time and be around the best people that they can be. So I think that's great advice. And then like as cliche as it is, like, it's literally just being yourself. Yeah. Like being yourself is your superpower. That's what makes you stand out more than anyone else because no one else is you. No one else walks like you. No one else takes pictures. Like it's just, it's just, you just have to be yourself and authentic and people see that. I agree. 
Okay, one thing I like to ask all of my guests is, is there anything that you want to be vulnerable about? Ooh, vulnerable. Yes, the namesake of this podcast. Well, I love that your podcast is about being vulnerable. Um, I think it's super important. And that's what my podcast is all about, too. Um, I feel like I have kind of dived in in this episode already. That is very true. Um, it doesn't have to be anything like super deep. It can be silly or something, like something you want people to know about you or anything you want. Okay, so something I'll be vulnerable about is that I stopped modeling for like eight months because I had this whole thing happen where my hair fell out and it just made me so insecure because I've never had short hair in my life and when I had short hair, it was also like super dead because it was all fell out from bleach damage and I was just feeling so terrible about myself and the way I looked that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a break for like eight months. And it's not something that I like really shared that openly about on social media because it's kind of like a weird thing to talk about. Like, mm. I don't want people to think that like, well, I never like explicitly said like, I'm taking a break from modeling, but that's ju it just kind of happened because I think like when you don't feel confident, you just kind of like subconsciously pull away from putting yourself out there. So that's what I did when my hair fell out and I'm trying to currently get my confidence back up, get back into it and start feeling good again. That's a really good one. I can definitely relate to the hair thing because like one of my biggest insecurities was my hair. Still is honestly, um, even though I barely have any, but like it's just it's such a huge part of how we look and like how we're perceived as women. Yeah. And especially in the modeling industry, like if you don't look your best or you don't feel like you look your best, right. you're not going to want to go to castings and put yourself out there to get rejected. And you're exactly. going to be like, okay, well, it's because I don't look good. I don't feel good because my hair looks bad. Like it's just, I totally get it. And I understand why you, you took the break, but I'm excited that you're diving back in next week. <laughs> Thank your hair you. looks great. <laughs> Thank you. It's back to its health again, thankfully. Yes. So. Do you think that you'll ever bleach it again? I don't think so. Yeah. No. Because it's just like, it's so much damage. Yeah. And I feel like it's like PTSD at this point. So Truly. Yeah. The only reason I feel fine bleaching mine is because I just like cut it off again so every short. few weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's so not short. like I have to worry about damage and growing right. it and then bleaching the bleached hair again. Yeah. But... I could understand that you, you're not going to do that again. I don't think Wolf. so. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> a year from now, I'll be like platinum blonde again. <laughs> oh, thank you for being here today. Thanks thank so much for having for being me. being vulnerable with us. Yeah. Please tell everyone where they can find you and your podcast and your page. Sure. So my podcast is the Inside and Out podcast. Um, that's actually my handle on Instagram. I'm on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and then my Instagram and TikTok are just at Liz Seibert, S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Yes, and she has a million followers on TikTok, guys. <laughs> she just hit a million. I did, I yes, did. Yes, that is a big feat. I'm very proud it of you. It was exciting. Thank you. And you will always have a follower in me. I love following Aww. you. <laughs> well, I love following you, too. Aww, thanks. <laughs> um, okay, that is the end of another episode of Vulnerable. Thank you Woo! guys for being here. You can follow me at Chelsea Vaughn, and we will see you guys next time. Bye.